Welcome to the Wealth and Wellness Podcast with me, Kaylee Boisvert. I specialize in helping people to achieve their financial goals. I have a love for all things numbers, and I am passionate about financial literacy. My goal is to spark healthy and positive conversations around wealth and investment and create a world where nobody is limited by their financial situation. But wealth is just one piece in the equation of living our best lives. So join me as we explore both wealth and wellness topics. From your net worth to your self-worth, get ready to take confident action. Hello, this is Kaylee, and thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Wealth and Wellness Podcast. I'm excited for today's chat. It's very um, wealth and money focused and um, very relevant, I think, for where we're at and everything going on. So the the housing market has been busy, I think, at least in, in my city, I know it's been very busy to say the least. So um, with that, conversations about mortgages, which are a bit big part of people's net worth um, and, and money decisions. So we're talking all about mortgages today. And I am joined by a special guest, Jesslyn Brown, who is a mortgage broker, and she's part of the mortgage group. She's been a mortgage broker for five years. Um, Her background is in finance, and she works on a bit of a family team she's created. So it's her and her husband. Um, You said, was it who else was involved? So I've got, yeah, hi, super excited. (laughs) Uh, My team is me and my husband. Obviously, we work together every day, but my sister-in-law is also a mortgage broker and my mom. My mom is really the mentor of the group. She brought us all over. She's trained us all up and we... I feel like we have a lot of experience, education, people just to call on um, because mortgages can be tricky. It's not just cookie cutter. Every mortgage is a little bit different. Yes. So it's a whole family team, which is something that's fabulous. I love that. And you're right. It is more to a mortgage than um, I think some people even realize. And it's such a big financial decision. Like it's, it's almost like probably one of the biggest financial decisions people mm-hmm. make. Um, so I think it's, you know, not something we can take lightly. We do have to spend some time having these conversations, looking into things. Um, so it's, it's good. This is a good session for information for people that are looking to maybe buy a house, people that have mortgages that are looking to um, refinance, things like that. Maybe mm-hmm. even people that want to get into um, owning a rental property. So excited for this conversation. Um, just to get started, do you want to explain a little bit about kind of a, the more a mortgage broker and the role of a mortgage broker? Mm-hmm. So the difference between a mortgage broker and just going straight to your bank is as a broker, I have access to 40 plus different lenders. So when you go to a broker, it's a one-stop shop. So my job is to work on your behalf with clients behalf and present your information to the lenders and but I can only act on your requests so in the end you're driving everything you're in control but of course I'm a licensed individual so I'm going to be able to pre-approve you for your mortgage let you know how much you'd be qualified for give you advice on what type of mortgage product and so on that we'll get into later today but the main goal is just a one-stop shop whether that's When you go to a bank, 
they're going to offer you one product, whatever the bank has. That's all they can offer you. And that's all they're able to offer you. And they're not um, mortgage licensed individuals. They're generally um, customer service clientele. And so they might help you open a bank account and they also might help you um, take a mortgage. But we work with the big banks too. And we work with the Scotia banks. We work with the TDs. We work with the local credit unions. And we also work with like 30 plus other lenders that we call monoline lenders. So they are mortgage only institutes. They don't have a banking product to them. So they generally will have uh, lower interest rates, lower penalties if you break your mortgage um, and a little bit more flexibility. And oftentimes I find better customer service, but they're usually financed from the big banks. So they purchase their mortgages and they purchase their interest rates from the big banks. So they're all subsidiaries of each other, um, but they just don't have a banking front that you can go into. And to access them, you need mortgage brokers. So it is more, we have access to more lender options, more solutions. Um, the banks tend to like AAA clientele, which is great, but you know sometimes there's past bankruptcies, collections, Maybe you're trying to buy 10 rental properties. Not every lender likes that. So my job really is to help you educate you and then help you find the right solutions, the right products and fit you where it makes sense now, but also down the road, not just right now. So we're the middleman, I'd call us a licensed professional, but our services are free. So not a lot of people know that as a mortgage broker, you don't pay me. We get paid by the bank once we've placed your mortgage. So services are free. We, we are lucky that way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So take accessibility is easy. Yeah. Yeah. So do, yeah. Take advantage of that and, and do your like due diligence by working with a mortgage broker on your behalf. And, and like you said, um, seeing all the options out there, cause that's a lot of options for people. And, yeah. you know, you wouldn't want to have to walk into or try to find those places. And like you said, they're not accessible, um, to, the person directly oftentimes. So, um, and getting that independence because there is, you know, it's nice to just know what is available and and things are changing. Like I see it too, on my side of things is sometimes a certain person is offering a deal and another one isn't. And so that's why it's, it's always nice to kind of have the variety. Yeah. We'll oftentimes get like specials, like our whisper rate specials, they'll call it, that we'll have access to um, that you might not get just walking into a bank or you wouldn't know, right? You're not going to check out 12 different banks in one day. And that's what I do all day. So it really just makes it easy for you. One-stop shop. And then I get to handle all the stress in the background for, it's really overwhelming, especially when you're first time home buyer to know what kind of documentation do I need? What am I going to expect? Will you talk to my lawyer for me? You know, what do I do with my down payment? And it's a lot of education and especially as a first time home buyer handholding. And it's, I love when clients walk the full walk with me when they're a first time home buyer, because it's so rewarding at the end to see them getting into their dream house or, you know, buying a family home and upgrading now that they're having kids. And it's, really satisfying. I really get to know my clientele. Most of my clients are, are turned into really good friends or have been really good friends. It's love a night. Yeah. 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 I love that. Yeah. That client service focus and, mm-hmm. and yeah, you're right. It's, there's a lot of different steps and there's a lot of time frames too, that are 
oftentimes short time frames when you find the house you want and you're closing on it and things like that. So that can be very stressful. So when you have yes. someone on your side, um, very helpful. So do you want to start by talking about to um, what it means for people that are looking for getting a mortgage? So what you need to know about qualifying. Mm-hmm. So we use, it's called the five C's of qualifying for a mortgage. So number one is character. Character is based on you, the total picture of your application, um, where you work at your job, your credit history, et cetera. But your character is kind of the, what they look at first. Capacity. So do you have the capacity to pay back your loan? Capital, the money to pay back your loan collateral, so the house itself, and credit, so your credit score. And we can kind of go into each one and and maybe look at what each one means, but that's the easiest way of remembering it, five Cs, character, capacity, capital, collateral, credit. Perfect. Okay. Let's go into it then. Okay. So number one, income really is going to determine how much you can qualify in a home, Uh, your income versus your debts. So income is important for capacity. So how much money do you have to pay back your loan? That's what the bank cares about. Um, And also how much income versus the housing debt. So they will allow, they as in the government or the Bank of Canada, will allow you to have 39% of your income go towards your housing debt and 44% of your total income going to total debt. So house plus any other credit cards, line of credit, student loans. Is that, sorry to intro, is that um, net income or gross? Gross income. Okay. So if you're an employee that's on a salary or you're getting regular paychecks, it's your gross income. If you're self-employed, it is a little bit different. Self-employed, they look at your net claimed income on a two-year average. So self-employed can be tricky, but there is programs for self-employed individuals, which could be a whole topic in itself, but like yourself, like me, like a lot of, you know, women entrepreneurs out there being self-employed, it's great when your accountant can write off a lot of your income and save you money on taxes, but it's actually not good for mortgage qualifying. The, The government and the Bank of Canada They want to know, they look at your net income. You can't get away with not paying them taxes and then not paying them (laughs) for your mortgage. They want to see your net income, but there is solutions out there. So if you will get into down payment, but if we can adjust down payment and then it's, then there's more options. So the higher your down payment, the more lender options that are available to you. Um, but net income when you're self-employed gross income when you're an employee. Okay. So before tax, when you're employee after tax, yeah. when you're self-employed. <laughs> yes. So it's actually kind of both. Um, number two, I'd say the most important is credit. So your credit score, um, the like government regulated in Canada minimum for a traditional mortgage is 600 the minimum beacon score, but many lenders will actually have a minimum score of 650. But CMHC, we'll get into a little bit later too, they they have a minimum of 600. 
So I work with a lot of, a lot of people to help them boost their credit score. Lots of people also don't even know what their credit score is when they come to me. So that on top of gathering your income, then we talk about credit, you know, what type of credit items do you have? Lenders want to see at a minimum two credit lines reporting for at least two years clean, no missed payments in a perfect world. Um, and ideally, you want to have your limits at $2,500 or higher. It's kind of just like the minimum playground that they look at. Um, if you don't have credit at the time of application, say you're in, you know, newly out of school, newly out of high school, newly out of university, um, sometimes they'll let us use alternative credit like cell phone bills or rent payments. Or if you're new to Canada, there's programs when you're new to Canada and only have, you know, one year of credit history in Canada, that they'll let us use alternative credit like cell phone bills, utility bills, um, lease payments, and so on. Uh, but one of the biggest things I do is honestly really boosting people's credit scores to help them, um, you know, purchase a home. Some of the most important things to know about boosting your credit score, try to make sure that your balances on your credit cards, lines of credits, and so on, are 50% of the limit or less at all times. So when the bank offers you a pre-approved credit increase, that's a good thing. Take it, but don't use it. <laughs> it just shows you can manage your credit well. Um, number two is never miss a payment, of course, and learning to set yourself up on automatic minimum payments. I have a lot of people that I see that have missed payments on things like cell phone bills that they don't think that matters, but it does. They see you're missing, you know, 15 payments on a cell phone. They're going to wonder, you know, are you going to make your mortgage payments? So real, not missing minimum payments. Yeah. Um, and the third most important one is keep your credits open. So if you have a credit card from 10 years ago, even if it's like a $500 limit, don't close it. The length that you have credit open for uh, plays a big part in your credit score. Okay. Low limit. So if you have like a card you don't even use, you can yes. kind of scrap the card maybe, but don't close the account. You still ideally want to use it a little bit so okay. that the credit card company doesn't close it on you. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, try to keep your credits open. If you've had it forever and you're not really using it, they might just give you a, a boost to the credit limit, like a pre-approved credit limit, and you can start using it more. The only time I tell people to close credit is if they have like 20 lines open and they really aren't using anything, then you can consolidate a little bit. But generally speaking, if you've got thin credit, like don't close old credit cards or, you know, you opened a brand new one and you close your one you had like for 10 years, it just isn't as good. Keeping okay. your one for 10 years is important. Get one and keep it. Okay. Um, third item, down payment. So down payment in Canada, the minimum amount of down payment you need is 5%. 5% um, can come from a really great program, of course, is your RRSPs. So the first time home buyer having an RRSP, of course, like Kaylee, and setting that up to take out money from your RRSP um, for, for using for your down payment. You have to be a first time home buyer and you can use up to $35,000 for your down payment. Um, it's interest free. You pull it out without paying your taxes and you need to pay it back over 15 years. 
That's the number one program I see for down payment. People using their RRSPs. It's like double dipping. Say Kaylee could probably explain that better for us. But I always tell people, if you don't have an RRSP set up, set one up. And you need the money in there for at least 90 days before you can use it for down payment. Yeah. So in Canada, we regulate, it's 5% uh, minimum down payment, like regulated by the government. Um, but if your purchase price is over 500,000, it's actually 5% on the first 500,000 and 10% of anything above that, up to $1 million. So $700,000 purchase, you're looking at $45,000 down payment, kind of works out to like six and a half to seven percent. Um, up to 999999. Anything over at a million or higher, um, you have to have a 20% down payment. Okay. Government regulated. So in markets like Vancouver and Toronto, you gotta have 20% down payment. We're pretty lucky in Calgary, you can still get really good properties for under a million dollars. Yeah. Yeah, under that nine 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 nine, and other sources of down payments. So you said obviously RSP is a great source, but anything, yeah. right? Any like cash on hand they have, or yeah. um, you know, it can come from their TFSAs or things like that. But it's yeah. it's cash on hand that they probably have saved. Absolutely, TFSAs, cash on hand, investments, RSPs, gift from family members, as long as it's an immediate family member, so parent, grandparent, or sibling can <laughs> gift you down payments. Um, and you want to make sure you have, you know, extra money set aside as well for closing costs. So down payment, they're going to look at, of course, your minimum down payment or however much you want to put for down payment. And they're also going to make sure that you have a little bit of extra money set aside for like a lawyer, uh, extra cost would be a lawyer. I always tell people to estimate around $2,000, uh, a home inspection, another three, $400, depending on who you're using a home appraisal can oftentimes be required. Again, another three, $400. Um, if you're purchasing a condo, you might want your condo documents reviewed, um, moving costs itself, title insurance, home insurance. There can be a lot of expenses if you're coming from a renting environment to purchasing your first home. They wanna just make sure you have some fallback that all of a sudden you move into this house and now you have $0 in your bank account. You might not be able to make your uh, first mortgage payments. Yeah, Having that extra fallback is really important to see. Or just support too. And that's where oftentimes gifts from family members will come in. If you're a young first-time home buyer and you have some family support, it's, they like to see that on application. You know, maybe they're just gifting you money for the lawyer and so on, just to show that you have some extra family support is helpful. Um, one thing to note on the down payment, so 5% is the minimum. And it's um, when you have a five, less than a 20% down payment, your mortgage is subject to the default insurance fees. So these fees are government regulated and they're added to your mortgage balance, but not paid out of pocket. So it does increase um, the amount your mortgage will be once you have it, and it will increase your mortgage payments per month. It's a protection for the lenders. So if you were ever to default on your mortgage or not pay your mortgage and walk away, the lenders are, are paid out by the insurance company. So the most famous in Canada is CMHC, the Canadian Mortgage and Housing Corporation. But there is a few in Canada and they, they're the ones that regulate these purchases with less than a 20% down payment. 
We spoke a little bit earlier about how there can be some flexibility for self-employed individuals or unique scenarios. You have to have a 20% down payment to be able to bypass those CMHC regulations. So if you get that 20% down payment, it opens up a lot of uh, opportunities to purchase properties. So that's where the rental purchases come in or private lenders or alternative lending. Um, when you hear people saying like, oh, like they were able to get a mortgage with barely any money and no income, no credit. How did they do that? It's because they have at least a 20% down payment um, and they're using alternative lenders. Okay. Awesome. That's good to know. So 20% will just give you more flexibility. Yeah, that's kind of the magic number. Also, um, it'll lower your mortgage payments. Once you hit that 20% down payment, you won't have the CMHC or the default mortgage insurance payments, and then your mortgage payments are lower. And you also have the opportunity then to extend the amortization of your mortgage. So the length that you're paying it over. CMHC regulates that you can only pay it over 25 years, the maximum. So your total mortgage balance is paid and amortized over a 25-year schedule. If you get to the 20% down payment, we remove the default insurance, you can stretch your payments over 30 years. So it, it really, it actually drastically decreases your mortgage payments. In a perfect world, I tell people, you know, if, if you can get to a 20% down payment, it's great. It's really going to help your cash flow. It's going to help your budget. It's going to help you be able to just save other money in regular investments. Um, but if, you know, you can't easily come up with 20%, then, you know, 5%, there's nothing wrong with that either. It's, that's what most buyers do, especially on their first home would be a 5% down payment. Okay. That makes sense. Next one we look at is the house itself. So collateral, the house is, is really important. Um, the lender wants to know that, you know, the house value is what we say it is and that the location and property is marketable. So the bank wants to know if you were to walk away from your mortgage or not be able to pay your mortgage, they're stuck with this house. They're going to take the house from you. So they want to know that they could sell it, get their money back from it. Um, so just, you know, your the realtor comes in here. That's where the realtor is really important to help you find the right neighborhood, the right property. If it's a condo, you want to know that your condo board is well managed. You have a good reserve fund. Um, right now we really are in a seller's market. Housing prices are high. Demand is way exceeding supply right now, yeah. which is driving prices up and it's, um, creating people to go in over asking price. So, I mean, I've seen a hundred thousand dollars over asking price on offers. Um, a lot of unconditional offers, meaning they're going in with an offer and saying, if it's ex um, accepted, um, like I'm not backing out no matter what, even if I can't find financing, even if the appraisal isn't there. And it puts a lot of buyers at risk. It's a scary market for buyers right now when they're feeling desperate. Um, and there's a lot of people coming over to Calgary from, I've noticed from Vancouver and from Toronto. Okay. Selling a house there, buying a couple here. Yeah. It's really driving our market. And I tell people, you know, I tell people not to make unconditional offers um, because it puts your deposit at risk. If you can't secure financing after your offer is live or the appraisal value doesn't come in, 
you know, you're, you're going to have to come up with extra cash to close your mortgage, or you're going to need that 20% down to go to a private lender. And it's, I've, you know, luckily, personally, I've never seen someone lose their deposit on a house, but we hear stories about it all the time within our office. And it's, you know, you don't want to lose a $25,000 deposit just because you rushed in to try to buy a house. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So working with a good realtor, I find it is really important. And, you know, going through these steps and going through a true pre-approval. So when you get a pre-approval beforehand, we gather all of your income documents and we run a full application ahead of time to make sure that, um, you know, your credit looks good, your income looks good, everything looks good on your application. And then we send it into a few different lenders to review ahead of time and get you a rate hold. So they'll do, it's up to four months that they'll hold an, a rate and a general pre-approval. It doesn't mean that you're 100% approved if you have a pre-approval. And that's oftentimes a misconception. They say, oh, well, I had this pre-approval letter. It just means that the bank, they've seen your application and they're okay with it. And they've given you a rate hold, but your full documentation package isn't reviewed by the lender and the like audit department until you actually have a live offer on a house. Okay. And some of the documents that we'll look at can be, can seem like a lot, especially if you bought a house 10 years ago when it was, you were just breathing and you could get a mortgage. Yeah. But now they're going to look at, you know, a letter of employment, pay stubs, 90 day history of down payment. And they look at every single line in your down payment. So having, if your money's in investments, like with your TFSAs or RSPs, having a good investor in your pockets that can get you a detailed history is important. Um, I've seen a lot of people not be able to access their statements or, you know, I, they only have quarterly statements from three months ago and it can be a pain for them because we need full detailed 90 day history. It's anti-money laundering regulations. It really gets a lot of people. Um, and then if you're self-employed, there's even more documents, your full T1 generals, your notice of assessment, your T4s, if you're a T4 in yourself, photo ID, uh, if you own properties, we need the mortgages, property tax bills, lease statements, if you're renting properties, it can be a lot of documentation that I try to get ahead of time so that when you have a live offer, it makes the process smoother, easier, stress-free and you have everything done ahead of time. Yes, that's a lot. <laughs> it's a, lot. a lot of paper, a lot of homework, a lot of heavy lifting. A lot but, of homework. Yes. Yeah, but having someone help you like yourself, uh, like a mortgage broker to work with that helps walk you through it, kind of breaks it down. So it's less like yes. overwhelming. Yes, right. I mean, I try to make it in bite-sized chunks. It's like, okay, step one, let's, yeah. let's, let's just talk about what you want to do. Step two, let's gather some documents so you know how much you can afford. Step three, then we'll pull your credit, get an application in. And step four is then, you know, then we'll talk about lender options. The difference between using, you know, a Scotiabank or a TD and then them versus a local credit union. It's, you know, it can be a lot of information that we having a broker in your corner, especially when you're a first time home buyer, just to break down each category and make it seem less overwhelming. My job is to really just, and some people don't care. They're like, honestly, just tell me what you need. I don't want to be involved in the process. Make it easy. Great. I take care of everything for them. 
Some people really want to be involved all every step of the way and know all the information. Great. Then we'll go through all the information. It's really up to what you want. Absolutely. Okay. Love it. Are we through all the steps or are there more? Uh, no, I'd say that's a good wrap up. You know, once you get to that pre-approval, then, then, you know, we can relax a little bit, but the beginning is a lot of information yeah heavy lifting okay so that's kind of qualifying for new home buyers that's a lot of information really good information especially I like the part about um, credit score and things like that because there's a lot of misinformation out there about that so um, and then next big thing when it comes to mortgages whether it's first time or renewing is um, fixed versus variable rate yes it's the big topic of discussion right now fixed versus variable rates especially, you know, post COVID. So before COVID, historically in Canada, variable rates were, were I don't want to say always, but were generally the choice to save more money on your mortgage. Historically speaking, variable rates have always been lower than fixed rates until COVID. <laughs> then everything bottomed out and fixed rates hit record lows. You know, I saw like 1.5% on five-year fixed rate mortgages, which were unprecedented. So now that things are starting to open up and inflation and the war and COVID and everything that's happening in our world, uh, interest rates are rising. So both fixed and variable rates are rising right now. Fixed rates, they're all over 4%, I'd say. Wow. Standard. You can still get some maybe shorter terms, one, two, three year fixed under 4%, but you're looking at three, 3.5 to 3.99. The standard five-year fixed is, you know, four to 4.5% even, depending on primary residence versus rental purchase. Fixed rates are up. Um, You know, there's variable rates are are still reasonable. Say variable rates are almost 1% lower, but maybe a little bit more than fixed rates right now. Actually, probably a little bit more. I'd say they're actually almost 2% lower. 2.3%, you know, kind of standard on a CMHC insured mortgage versus around 4%, so like 1.7% lower. But there's speculation that the Bank of Canada is going to continue to increase its prime lending rate. So variable rates are influenced by the prime lending rate in Canada and fixed rates are influenced by bond rates in Canada. So both have been increasing steadily over the last six months. And, you know, you just really have to weigh out the pros and cons of both to decide what makes sense for you. But a fixed rate is going to give you a fixed payment and a fixed interest rate over your term. Most popular term is a five-year fixed, but you really have between a one-year and a 10-year fixed even if you wanted it. So it's going to give you stability and it's going to help you budget. It's the beauty of a fixed rate mortgage. You know exactly what it is today. That's what it's going to be next year and next year until you renew your mortgage at the end of your five-year term. The like negatives or cons of a fixed rate is, yeah, your interest rate is higher right now. And if for some reason during your term, if you took a five-year fixed, you decided to sell your house 
or you want to, you know, property values are up right now. And a lot of um, homeowners are refinancing their homes to access some of the equity. To do that breaks their current mortgage when you're refinancing. And on a fixed rate, the penalties are much higher than a variable rate. So they do, it's an interest rate differential. So the difference between your rate now and rates on the market at that time, but they times it by how long is left on your mortgage. So if you have four years left, your penalty is four times higher. Okay. On a variable rate, the pros are right now, it's lower than a fixed rate. Um, and it gives you more flexibility because if you did sell your house or refinance, the penalty is only three months of interest. It's the smallest penalty in a variable rate. So it's, it's good when you're, when you're like, you know what, I might only keep this house for two years, but I'm not sure. You might take a variable rate. Uh, another pro is you can lock a variable rate into a fixed rate later on. If you change your mind, you want to lock in, but you're subject to interest rates at that time. There's some pros there, but the cons, of course, is um, you, we don't know what's going to happen with Prime, and it's been increasing. So during COVID, if you had a variable rate, your, your interest rate was very low, but now it's gone up, you know, almost 1% over the last six months, and it's speculated to go up even more. So it's just known, knowing for sure. You have to be able to budget correctly if you have a variable rate. And you just have to have a, you know, a bit of a plan through with your property, you know, a next three to five year plan is important in making a decision in fixed versus variable and knowing what's going to stress you out more. The stress of thinking, is my mortgage rate and payment going to go up this week? Or is it going to stress you out knowing that you're, you've paid a little bit of extra money to interest in your fixed rate over the last six to 12 months? which option stresses you out more um, because if you can ride the waves of a variable rate, it might go down. So that's the benefits, but it might go up and it might go up and up and up right before COVID uh, interest rates were rising. And it, the prime was the highest it had been in a long time. And a lot of people locked their variable rates into a fixed rate. And honestly, within like six months, everything bottomed out with COVID. And so it just goes to show we really don't know what's going to happen. And I get a lot of questions. What should I do? What should I do? Yeah. It's that like, <laughs> I wish I had the crystal ball. Yes. I yes. Wish. And real estate really is like hindsight is 2020. 20. Like if I only bought now or sold then, you'll never know. There'll always be ups and downs with real estate. So you just have to know, like, can you ride the waves? We tell people if you do take a variable rate mortgage, pay it like a fixed rate. To make extra payments like it was a fixed rate or just set extra money aside every month in a slush fund, you know, throw it in your investments. And then as rates go up, you have some extra money set aside as a cushion if you need it to help you pay your mortgage payments. Okay. Or there is a few lenders who they'll put you in a variable rate, but your mortgage payments won't actually change. So even if prime goes up, or down, your mortgage payments don't change. Just the amount that you're paying towards principal versus interest changes. Okay, that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, so that's a, it's a really good 
And that is a really good option for people that want that variable rate, but not a lot of lenders offer it because if interest rates continue to rise, the length of the mortgage or the amortization extends because we're not paying it down in proportion. So after five years, you may have only paid off two and a half years worth of payments. Yeah. And thinking that you had done five or something like that, or it had been five. Yeah. Yes. So there's a, you know, there's pros and cons to both options. I'd say if you are very skeptical or nervous, fixed rate is really always the way to go just because stability. Um, And, you know, the Bank of Canada is meeting one, two, three, four, five more times this year, June 1st, July 13th, September 7th, October 26th, and December 7th. And they're speculating at least 0.75, but probably even more over the next six months. Okay. That's good to know for people and, and a lot of information for them to consider, but helpful knowing too, that you can kind of help just give them things to think about. Like, you know, it's tough to, like you said, we don't have the crystal ball. You probably can't tell them exactly what the, the right thing to do is no, not knowing the future, but at least you can talk them through, okay, if you're feeling this way or um, have you considered that? And and, and that might kind of help bring about the answer of, okay, what is a better fit for you? Yeah, for sure. And it's, you know, real estate is an investment, right? As I've heard you say lots, like diversify your portfolio um, and keep it long-term. The goal with real estate, you know, you have to view it as a long-term investment to you and your family, or maybe down the road it is, you know, you're going to have it as a retirement savings. Part of that total package in wealth planning is your property. You can't just put all, you can't put all of your money into your property and not have it anywhere else because property values go up and down. You need to diversify and you need to have a long-term strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Like really think about these and weigh your options. Again, it's like, it's a really big decision. And so don't just kind of quickly, you know, feel rushed into it, sign the paperwork and all that. Like do consider all um, the the different kind of variables and, and things like that involved in your situation. Um, anything else that people need to keep in mind? Um, yeah, some different things when we're choosing lenders. We kind of spoke about the difference between the big banks versus these monoline lenders. Um, but each lender will have different terms. So each lender will allow you to make prepayments on your mortgage if you choose to. Standard is about 15% of your mortgage balance every year. If you are thinking you want to make extra lump sum payments on your mortgage, some lenders will let you, some lenders won't. So it's, you know, if you plan to make big, big lump sums, that's something we want to consider. Um, Portability of your mortgage. So if you decide to move mid-mortgage term, but you don't want to break your mortgage, you can actually take your mortgage from one property and port it to a new property. Just the balance of your mortgage needs to stay the same or increase. It won't let you decrease that mortgage loan without breaking it or without paying a penalty on it. Um, And just knowing that, you know, so if you are looking for something like portability, there's a difference between like a credit union 
and a monoline or a bank. So there's different types of lenders out there and each lender is going to have different um, mortgage products to it. Um, one item we never really touched on today, but there's, there's home equity line of credit. You can access, easily access some of the equity in your home, especially in today's market. Um, as your property value increases, um, instead of breaking your mortgage, you can access it in a line of credit. But not every lender allows for that. So you just knowing, you know, having some information or an idea of what you want to do down the road is really helpful in placing those the right mortgage product. And not everyone knows, but just being able to have someone in your corner to answer those questions or give you some things to think about is really important. And I try to be really accessible so people can, you know, message me or DM me on Instagram. It makes it really easy. And I know you're really accessible on Instagram as well. It just creates easeability for clients. And if you just have a quick question, I'm always answering, you know, text messages, phone calls, emails, DMs, and just having that team behind me to bounce ideas off of. So if you feel like there's a really unique scenario or you've been declined in the past, telling you between the four of us, we have done a lot of tricky mortgages or just made it feel easier when you're declined by your bank. Doesn't mean you're declined by every lender out there. There's so many more options out there. And I always say, you know, don't give up. It's worth a phone call. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause it's more and more people are, you know, considering this independently and, and after maybe it's after divorce and things like that. And there can be some insecurities of like, is this going to work for me? Um, am I going to get approved? So it is kind of, it, it is that, that vulnerable moment too, if you are like declined or that doesn't work the first time, but um, knowing, yeah, give it a try and, and, and have someone in your corner just to help you out there and, and see, and, and it sounds like you help educate people on what they need yeah. to do to get there if they're not there yet. Totally. And that's why I tell people, people are always saying, you know, I'm so sorry, I'm not ready yet. But like, that is my job. I am, I love, I've been working with this one young couple for like years for like, it took me three years of working with them to help them reestablish their credit to get to a point where they could buy a property. Um, and then now, now they own three in the last two years, they own a primary residence here in Calgary. They own a um, investment property in radium and they just bought, so I guess they're moving. They'll have a rental in Calgary and they bought another primary residence here in Calgary. So they'll have rental wow. in Calgary, rental in radium. And they just thought it was never possible for them. And it is. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So yeah, don't, yeah. Don't think it's not possible for you. If you're in that boat, um, reach out Definitely. to Jessalyn. What is the best way then? So you said you are very accessible. So for people looking to reach out, how should they reach out to you? Instagram is the easiest. I find everyone's on it at mortgages by Jessalyn. Okay. Put it in the show notes there. Yeah. Um, but honestly, anything right on my Instagram page is my phone number, my email address. I have a website you can contact me on. Call, email, text. I always tell people whatever is easier. Lots of people prefer a quick text message. That's okay too. Okay, perfect. Uh, 
And I'll include, yeah, I'll include that in the show notes. Thank you so much. I feel like there's, there is so many different elements we could talk about. We'll have to do another one in the future. Um, this is really good information though. I was like listening intently too, because these are important conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a big part of people's full wealth picture, yeah. their mortgage. So it, it's really good information to know. So thank you so much, Jocelyn. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you. And thank you everyone for listening in. And I will catch you on next week's episode and bye for now. I hope you found value in this episode. And because I'm such a proponent of taking confident action, I want to pose a question to you, the listener. What is one action that you feel inspired to take after listening to today's episode? If you enjoy listening, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Thank you so much, and I will catch you next time.